Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening and joining us for another episode of Black Thirty. I'm Ryan. And I'm Candace. And today, ladies, we're spilling the tea on secrets. Yes, dun, ladies. Dun, dun, dun. The secrets. That stuff you don't want to talk about. Now, I know we've all heard that you shouldn't air your dirty laundry, but eventually the mess needs to be cleaned up. So we're talking best practices for revealing what's been hiding, what's been hidden for so long and how to do it in a healthy way. Yes. And we have an amazing black female therapist who's going to join us today. She is the bomb.com y'all. She's Mm -hmm. kept me from the brink. Um, (laughs) She'll unpack the importance of revelations. And as she says, allowing yourself to feel. This is a heavy one, but we're ready to tackle it. Right, Candace Jay? That's right. Okay. (laughs) We hope you will do it with us. And as always, we have 30 tips about ways to deal with secrets. Yes, so pour yourself some tea, join our conversation, and together we'll talk freeing ourselves from what is weighing us down. Ooh. Ooh. It's tea time. Clank, 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 clank. <laughs> All right, Candice Jay, what you drinking? So I'm drinking, I believe it's pronounced by. I'm drinking the by or yeah, I think oh, I B-A-I. Know. I've yeah. seen those. Uh-huh. Yeah, the real raspberry super tea. Ooh, super it's lovely. Tea. Yes. Oh, lovely. It's so nice. How about you, girl? I just have some bottled water. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um But I have like a whole just... vibe right now, I must say. I have oh. like because you know, this is this is a heavy episode. So I was like, it let is. me act accordingly. You know what I mean? Like what what's this vibe? Well, so I turned off the lights in my living room and I have my turmeric and my white water candles going, you know, so it's Mm. like very Erica Badu right now. I even turned down like the light on the laptop screen. So yeah, it's just like, I feel very Nova right now, even though I'm mad at her. So Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Let me, let, let's, let's go there. Miss Nova board alone. Okay. <laughs> so ladies, the idea for this episode came from Queen Sugar. Nova is a character uh, in that show that's on OWN. It's about a family called the Borderlones, black family living in Louisiana. And Nova is a writer and she, okay, let me stop here because uh, if anybody has not caught up and they want to watch Queen Sugar, this is definitely going to be a spoiler alert. So you may not want to listen. Go watch the episode. This is the first episode from season three. And then come on back and continue this episode. All right. But come on back. But come on back. Let's be clear. Okay. <laughs> now, for all the <laughs> for all of you who have watched it, Nova wrote a book revealing all her family secrets. And I mean all of them. Okay, the girl talked about her brother's son not being his biologically. Mm. The girl talked about her uh, auntie being abused by her former husband. Mm -hmm. Um, She talked about her sister and how she coerced and paid off this woman in order to make to uh, make a controversy go away for her then husband. Um, Mm -hmm. she, She did all of that. I mean, she talked about herself too. You know, she did sell some weed to a young black boy who went to jail because of it. Um, so she told that, but it t- 
to me was nothing compared to the stuff that she revealed about all her families. I'm talking about her sister, her brother, and her brother, by the way, is Kofi Sidibo. What's his name? It mm. don't matter what his name is. He's Kofi name Fine, is Fine. His name is Fine. Let's just be clear about that. Anyway, poor, poor that Ralph Angel. No sense. Uh, anyway, but I, I feel this, I, I called Candace and said, we have to talk about this <laughs> because <laughs> I look, I'm a journalist. I believe in telling the truth, but I don't believe in telling other people's truth if you don't have the permission to tell it. Mm-hmm. Now, there are situations where I think things can be revealed for the greater good. If someone is harming a group of people, absolutely. You don't need their permission to tell that they're doing something inappropriate. Um, but I do not agree with her revealing these family secrets. I mean, I don't know what you feel with Candace Jay, but that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I think that's exactly where she crossed the line. Like if she wanted to put herself on blast and that was some sort of cathartic experience for her, then more power to her. I think there actually can be quite a bit of power in the truth. Right. But she disclosed other people's secrets. Mm. And they were they were deep dark secrets. They were they were, you know, they weren't things that maybe were taboo, meaning that people knew but they didn't talk about it regularly. These mm-hmm. were things that were truly hidden. They were deliberately you know, removed from the public's eye and even removed from, you know, they're they're just general people that they would be in contact with. Like most people didn't know this information. She had privileged information because they were, they trusted her. And so exactly. She had that information because they trusted her. And then she chose to broadcast that to the world without (sighs) even, not, not even, not even without asking their permission, but without notifying them. Without notifying them. Like it was just, it was such an act of betrayal. Mm. And I know that she tried to like get on her high horse and say that this was going to, you know, be transformative for other people Mm -hmm. who read the books and we were going to have this lasting impact. But, you know, you can't get so meta when you have the people in front of you. Mm. You know what I mean? And like, Mm -hmm. you don't get to choose to use them as pawns Mm. in this agenda of yours. They didn't sign Mm -hmm. up for that. They didn't sign up for that. And I just, I just, I I really didn't know. I thought maybe I missed something critical that happened last season or something that drove her to this. (laughs) But I just, I really didn't get how she ever thought that that wouldn't be a violation. And she gave them no warning. Mm -hmm. She just kind of said, oh, read this book. I mean, it would be one thing maybe if months before she said, look, I want to have a conversation. I want to come to you face to face and say, mm-hmm. this is what I'm writing about. Yeah. Maybe at the very least they could prepare for it. Right. Mm-hmm. There's something about being open about what you're doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and it was all hidden because I feel cause she knew she was doing wrong, mm-hmm. you know, but she did say that she did it because it's important for her family to be released from the heavy weight of their secrets. And I do think while I don't agree with this book. I don't agree with what she put in it. I do agree with that to an extent that there are secrets or things that we kind of all know, but don't talk about, or they're just Mm. questions that we have lingering in our family or in our personal lives um, that we don't address, but manifest themselves in different ways. And I do think that that is weighing us down, weighing a lot of us down. And I actually do agree with that thought process. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you think about it, Candace Jay? Yeah, I do. I, I'm right there with you. I yeah. think it can be incredibly freeing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very difficult to be in true relationship with someone when there are secrets between you. 
right? right? Like there's a part of yourself that you aren't exposing anymore, right? right? And so I can't imagine how that wouldn't change the nature of your interaction. So Mm -hmm. perhaps because she felt like she was in relationship with them, she felt like there was this interdependency for like the feelings Mm -hmm. and the distance that people had because of these secrets. Like I'm I'm honestly trying to rationalize like what she actually thought would happen to the people and those bonds. Um, with them as a result of her actions. Mm. But it it makes sense in theory if assuming that folks have agreed to sign up for that. But I don't think that we get to impose our agendas on others. Now, what I would have agreed with would have been her saying, hey, family, we have all these secrets. Let's come together and have a forum, a conversation, a dinner, a time where we can really talk about it and really address it and people can come to the table when they're ready. Um, and I do think, you know, Nova's probably, mm, would you guess maybe late thirties? Yeah. Early forties. Yeah. I'm going to say, you know, for the, for the sake of black 30, she's late thirties. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Ava, let us know. Okay. Call us Ava DuVernay. Anyway. Um, so I think that she's a 30 something woman. And I do think that there's something about being in this space, being in this time, of our lives. I think we're becoming more aware of who we are. I think some of us are starting families, partnering up. And I think this is when we really are starting to either we're reaching a fork in the road and deciding if we want to continue old habits and Mm -hmm. pass those along, or if we want to do something different. And I do think that maybe she sees you know, our health, our family could be a lot healthier. There are some things that we need to be freed from and that that was some of what her intention was. And I do agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, as we reach milestones, whether it's age-based or, you know, different points or or achievements in life that it can spark some introspection. Mm -hmm. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, really saying, let's get this thing right. Even if I have to roll up my sleeves and do the, doing the work that there can be these times that kind of provoke you to really want to go to another level. Right. Um, But I still think that if you are having that sort of a revelation about how you want your relationships or even just you to be different, Mm -hmm. like as much as within your immediate control, that is fine. But she, I just think she took things that were not hers. Mm. Like someone else's secret does not belong to you. Mm. And you may be made privy to it, but it is not yours. And so her choosing to release that to the world, if she felt like this was something that, you know, that she noticed that these secrets that were there were impacting their relationships and that, you know, that the people would actually be liberated in the process, then why didn't she bring them into the process? Mm. Why didn't she sit her family down and say, you guys, this could be really powerful. Write Mm. with me. Let me tell your story. Help me tell your story. She could have brought them into the process. She didn't even let them tell their stories. Those stories weren't hers. Yep. You know, and so it's just, for me, it's just, it's so, it's just foul. It's self-righteous. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to take what didn't belong to you and release it to others? Theft. Yeah. Mm. But I do think, you know, Somebody might question then, well, then if, what if I do reveal a secret that does somehow involve someone else? Like, I think that's when the lines can get a little blurred, right? Like mm-hmm. part of my revelation could put someone else's 
uh, privacy in jeopardy. So how do you navigate those waters? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I need help understanding that. Girl, you know I do too. Uh, <laughs> that one—that's a hard one for me. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's really hard. Now, do you think this might be a time we need to bring in an expert? Oh, we definitely need an expert because um, I'm tapped out now. That's as much <laughs> as I can tell y'all. So we need somebody who has studied this. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's ask a therapist, y'all. It is time to phone a friend. Ring, 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 ring. (laughs) Our favorite therapist has joined the line to give us the secret to revealing secrets. Black 13 fam, please welcome Dr. Adia Gooden, fellow Chocolate Cardinal. Hey. Welcome, Adia. Hi. (laughs) Yes, we all were in the same dorm. Candace and I were freshmen. Adia was a junior, right? And now she's a doctor. Anyways, let me tell you guys. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let me tell you guys a little bit more about her. Dr. Adia Gooden's PhD. She's a licensed clinical psychologist. She's a straight, cis, African-American woman, and she grew up in Southern California in Pasadena. Hey, near me. And currently lives in Chicago. Dr. Adia received her BA from Stanford University, where she majored in psychology and minored in Spanish and African and African-American studies. After Stanford, Dr. Adia attended DePaul University and earned her PhD in clinical community psychology. She completed a postdoctoral fellowship at the Family Institute at Northwestern University, where she focused on providing couples therapy and increased her expertise in addressing relationship dynamics. Dr. Adia currently works as a clinical psychologist at a university counseling center in Chicago. And since Adia, Dr. Adia was a child, she has been passionate about helping people. Currently, she does that through guiding people to understand their experiences, identify their values, and address unhelpful thoughts and behaviors in the context of individual and couples therapy. Thank you, Dr. Adia, for joining us. You're, You're the perfect person for this. Happy to be here. All right, so we have got to talk about Queen Sugar Nova. I, I just I need some help with this because I used to like her, and then now she's on my naughty list. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Nova wrote this book revealing all her family secrets. Too much, if you ask me. But she says she did it because her family needs to be freed from the weight of secrecy, which I also understand. So, do you think it's healthy to release secrets, and why? Yeah, this is a good question. I mean, I think that it is healthy to release secrets, but that release doesn't need to be public. So I think the main problem with what Nova did is that she released her family secrets for her personal gain, right? So she got to tell a sensational story. She gets to go on book tours and do all of that and make money at the expense of her family and their privacy. And while I do think it's helpful to have discussions with family members when secrets have been held and they're weighing the family down, that really shouldn't be done in a public space, right? There may not, it may not even be that every family member needs to be in on every secret. Um, There may be, you know, different groups of family members who need to talk about things and bring things out into the open, but that doesn't mean you bring a child into that conversation if that's not appropriate. Um, And so releasing secrets, discussing them can be healthy, but I don't think that the way Nova did it is constructive at all. I think it's actually harmful because it's going to make, it betrays the trust of her family and it's going to actually make it harder for her family to move forward and address some of the concerns they have. 
Wow. Mm. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Her family definitely was not feeling her or feeling it. So <laughs> maybe she needed to no. keep that cute and private for a second. Yeah. Um, so does any of that change though, if perhaps one of the family members um, has been victimized in some way or perhaps was a perpetrator? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. I think the responsibility to your family shifts if you um, have been victimized in some way, if you're a survivor. I still am of the belief that, you know, the way we communicate information, the way we communicate our own story um, should be, um, how do I want to say this? Honorable in some way, if that makes sense. So it doesn't mean that you need to paint somebody who abused you or harmed you in a way that honors them, but thinking about what is the purpose of you sharing your story, right? So if you wanted to share it on blog or in a book or in a speech, you know, what does it look like to share your story? And is it necessary to tell people who the perpetrator was, who abused you for people to? Uh, listen to and acknowledge and bear witness to your story. And so I think that's sort of a calculation, right? That you can drag someone's name through the mud and it's possible that they might quote unquote deserve that. But is that sort of the type of energy with which you want to be sharing your story with the world? Or do you want to share it with a more positive healing oriented uh, manner that may be much less about the perpetrator and much more about you and where you are and how you survived and how you grew, et cetera. Mm. So the intention behind that revelation. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like if you're posting something or sharing something because you want to punish someone else, that's a very different energy than if you are sharing something because you want to be released of shame or a feeling of you're not okay or a feeling of like of your you're hiding yourself and you're hiding your experience um, by not sharing it. Right. And the the first thing I said focuses on the perpetrator. And the second thing I said focuses on you and you sharing your story. And it's much less about the person who did harm to you. Hmm. So what if you do decide to share your story, um, but you are afraid of what will happen when you do reveal something like that? Like, how can you prepare for the emotional fallout after you do make that revelation, the fallout from other people and from yourself to have admitted it? Yeah, that's an important question. I think the first piece is that, you know, it really is unwise to share publicly something that you have not resolved personally. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to share on Facebook or your blog a trauma that is still raw, that you have not processed, that you have not made sense of, because that makes you really, really vulnerable to the criticisms and critiques of the public which it just is not a great time to be receiving those types of critiques if you're in a very vulnerable place, right? So what I encourage my clients to do is first, how did they reconcile their experiences with themselves, right? How did they make sense of, make peace with what has happened to them? Often people who have experienced trauma or experienced a lot of difficulty are failing to forgive themselves. They're holding something against themselves. They're blaming themselves for something they experienced that wasn't their fault. And one of the major things that I do in therapy is help them forgive themselves, right? Reconcile with themselves, accept and show themselves love. And once they do that, they can be released. They're often released of the burden of shame that they carry with them. And then from that place, 
is a healthy place to share with other people because you're not looking for, to other people for validation of your experience. You're sharing because that feels empowering. You hope that it'll help other people, etc. Instead of this horrible thing happened to me and I need the public to bear witness to it before I have acknowledged it myself. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so as you're going through that process of, you know, just dealing with it on your own. You, you mentioned blogging. Like, I'd love to know, are there other ways that you've seen folks be able to process and release that, that information, particularly if they're not ready to verbalize it? Um, what are some other effective ways that they could do that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm realizing I failed to answer second half of, um, Ryan's question as well. So I'll do both. So I think journaling can be a great way um, to to work through some of this, right? You're sort of getting the thoughts and feelings out of your head and you're getting them on paper, which can make them feel much more manageable. Often when thoughts are stuck in our head, they feel really big and really overwhelming, overwhelming. And if we are able to verbalize it or if we can write it out, it makes them feel more manageable. Um, we often recommend for people who have experienced trauma to sort of write the story of their lives, integrating the trauma so that you can see that you're bigger than the trauma that you have experienced. Your life started before that and it continues Mm -hmm. after it. So it's a way of sort of putting that into context, which can be helpful. And then I think related to experiencing the emotions, you know, I'm a big recommender, um, proponent of feeling your feelings, right? So paying attention to the bodily sensations that come up, um, offering yourself some self-compassion. There are great self-compassion resources and meditations online if you search them. And that can be a really great way to respond to yourself when you're feeling a lot of emotions, having some grounding techniques, so ways to kind of If your mind is down spiraling, how do you get yourself back in the moment? You can Google grounding techniques or notice five things is one of them or take 10 deep breaths. And that can help you sort of regulate emotionally so you don't feel totally overwhelmed by emotions that might come up if you're sort of thinking about and processing some of these things, especially if you're alone and not with a therapist. And so for people who do choose to to consult a therapist, I know that one question is often, okay, what can I share that will stay within these four walls versus what is going to end up, you know, being shared with someone else, particularly the, the authorities. So can you just help us clarify, like, what are the types of things that therapists are required to report to the authorities and what are things that they can keep confidential and not need to share elsewhere? Yeah, that's such an important question. Um, so the... At the basic rule is, or the basic guideline, is that if a therapist learns of some a potential harm to someone that is going to happen to someone, so whether that's, you know, somebody is planning to kill themselves and they have a plan and the plan is actionable and it seems imminent, or they're planning to kill somebody else, same thing, plan, intention, actionable, Or, so those are two things that require mandated reporting. And basically the intent behind that is to keep the person safe. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other big thing, and I think this is what relates most to the secrets piece, is um, learning about an adult who has abused somebody as a child, right? So if you come into therapy and you're 25, and you report that your high school teacher was sexually abusive towards you. 
And then you also report that this teacher is still, this person is still a high school teacher. Hmm. We would be mandated to report that, right? Because our Hmm. assumption, our concern would be that this teacher may be abusing current minors in the same way that they abused you. Right. Right. And so then we're sort of required to report it in order to attempt to prevent this teacher from abusing other minors. Um, The same thing goes for like elder abuse. Right. So if an elderly person is being abused in some way and we learn about that and that person still has access to elderly people, then we'd have to report it. But there are often times when people, you know, report abuse by a parent, let's say. And they, they have younger siblings, but all the younger siblings are out of the house and 18 or older, then that's not something that we would have to report. Um, so it, it is challenging. Um, and you know, we try to be very thoughtful and sensitive and prioritize the relationship. And we also try to communicate when we start the, the therapeutic relationship, what the limits to our confidentiality are so that people can understand what they can share um, and what what might require a report. So what do you think about when those secrets are something very personal, like, um, you know, revealing a, a parent's secret about your father or mother? Um, let's say a mother is withholding information that she was abused by the child's father or... Um, she sees her child following a similar path. I mean, what if part of your revelation reveals something else about a family member? Is that, is it best to not reveal that information or should you share that with your therapist or with someone else? How do you reconcile those two? So you're saying if there's no, like if there's no minors involved? Depends on the situation. I guess there could be, but more of, you know, if I'm saying something, if my secret somehow um, reveals something about my mother or about my grandmother, um, you know, is that, or or maybe, you know, I see maybe my daughter could be influenced by this. Um, Do I say that? Uh, And how do I say that without revealing their secrets or their personal information? Yeah, you know, and this is like a big thing in the black community with our yeah. norms of don't air your dirty laundry. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm biased because I'm a therapist, but I would say definitely share it. I think okay. the deal is that you're, all of the information you share is confidential. So it won't, will not get shared with anybody else unless these specific sort of reporting mandates. But if you witness your mother being abused, and suddenly now you're having issues with relationships, right? And if I'm your therapist and I'm trying to help you with relationships, but I don't know that you witness your mother being abused by your father or her, her boyfriend, that's a big piece of the puzzle that's very difficult for me to help you work through that's relating to your experience, right? Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't mean that you need to share everything in the first session, but part of the point of therapy is to help people make sense of their life experiences. And you saying something difficult that happened with your parents or your loved ones doesn't mean that the therapist therapist is going to hate your mother or think that they're a horrible person. Actually, Mm -hmm. a lot of what I do in therapy is both bearing witness to the challenging experiences people have had with their parents 
and creating space for them to also acknowledge positive things about their parents and hold both of those things together, right? Because no parent Mm -hmm. is either perfect or the worst human ever, right? Basically, almost no one falls into those categories. And so part of the challenge of that we work on in therapy is how do you see your parents in a balanced and holistic way? And if you're not willing to share some big piece of what you witnessed, um, then we may be kind of missing out on the ability to like work through some things um, that could be really useful. And therapists are not gonna be like, oh my God, your mom was horrible. We're, we're not going to do that. We're actually gonna try to help you understand your mother in a more holistic way, understand what her life was like growing up and why did she stay with someone who was abusive and how do we make sense mm-hmm. of that? How do you forgive your mother? All of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you a follow-up to that. Will therapists help you explain things to your children? Um, what if part of your revelation is sharing with the child, maybe something about their um, their father that um, may not be the greatest, like something that they don't want to hear about them, right? That's not favorable for their father or their grandmother or something like that. How do you help a child process that? And when is the best way, what's the uh, maturity level um, in which to to tell a child? Yeah. I mean, I think um, a therapist can definitely help with that. And I think thinking about what is age appropriate, right? So I think, Mm -hmm. you know, we often have these fantasies that little kids don't know what's going on when I think they really do. They may not be able to verbalize Mm. it, but they can perceive and sense what's happening. So I'm thinking about like big little lies where the like Mm. little boys are like always fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, then abusive to like a classmate and it's like, yeah, they're young, but clearly they've witnessed some stuff. Right. And they've taken Mm -hmm. on a way of being and a way of behavior that's very unhealthy. And so you may not, you know, sit down and say, well, this is how many times this happened and get into all the nitty gritty details. But you might say to a child, you know, your dad got angry and would hit me and it really hurt me and I didn't like it. And that's why I decided we couldn't be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. He was trying hard, but he could like some sort of explanation that is Mm -hmm. age appropriate and then you might you know as children get older you might expand the information and share more that's age appropriate um i think it's important to note that it's you really should not treat your child as your best friend or your therapist so you shouldn't be Mm. venting or complaining to your child about the abuse you experience from a partner because that's not appropriate Um, Probably not at any age, even when your child's an adult, but thinking about age appropriate communication and discussion about what's problematic about this behavior without necessarily painting like their father as a horrible person or their mother as a horrible person, but also helping them to understand why it's not okay and why you want them and yourself to do things differently in the future. Hmm. Got it. So how does how does your counsel change if perhaps the other party that's involved is deceased, right? So there's really no potential for a real-time resolution or even conversation about what happened. Does that change at all what the person who's processing it in that moment should do? And that does does that change at all how you interact with them as as their psychologist? Mm. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I didn't think about that. I think that so often 
Well, maybe not so often. A lot of the time, people don't feel like they can talk to the person who was harmful or abusive mm-hmm. about what happened, mm-hmm. right? So there are there are some occasions where people are like, yeah, you know, that person's changed and I think I can try to talk to them and they'd respond well. But a lot of the times the relationship is either still toxic or they don't feel like the person who's been harmful to them would be able to hear or receive what they said. And so often the focus in therapy is how do you get a sense of peace and resolution without the person, right? Like without their acknowledgement, how do you make peace with this situation for yourself? And so the same thing goes if the person is deceased, right? It might feel harder, right? Because there might be more like, oh, I wish I had tried to address this or I still want to hear, you know, hear this or that from them. But the reality is, is there's really no guarantees that somebody will apologize for their harmful behavior. Like we hope that they will, but we can't Mm -hmm. wait for it. We can't make our mental health and well-being depend on somebody else apologizing, apologizing for the harm they did to us. And so similar to what we do with somebody's alive and the relationship is still toxic is we try to help people make sense of it, make sense of that person, their life story, make sense of how they survive this experience, right? Forgive themselves, acknowledge their strengths, all of that to get resolution in the absence of being able to talk to the person. Mm. Ooh. Or see, this is why you're my you're my online therapist. Like you've been keeping me right <laughs> for years now. I'm like a lot of head nodding is going on over here. You guys can't see it, but I'm like, oh my god! All right, let me. <laughs> so, all right, let me ask you a couple more questions because I've been nodding ugh, too much nodding. Okay. Um, Having a secret exposed by someone you trusted is one of the most difficult acts of betrayal to overcome. You talked about betrayal earlier with Nova. What do you recommend someone do um, who has had their trust betrayed by an exposed secret? What would you say to someone who exposed someone else's secret? Um, Yeah, so both ways. So I would say if you have exposed, if if your secrets have been exposed by someone else, I think the first thing I would do is like, take a beat, right? Mm. Like Mm. I wouldn't encourage you to like pop off at them. I mean, that (laughs) may be the feeling you may want to write an email or a text and maybe not send it, but like take a beat and feel your feelings, right? Like feel the anger, feel the frustration, feel the hurt, sit with and see if you can process through like what, what is coming up? What are the assumptions that your mind is going to What's hurt so much about this? And maybe, you know, talk to a trusted friend or family member who is going to acknowledge the pain and hurt, but maybe not like say you should go fight them. Right. Um, Right. So, you know, process it, like take, maybe take a break from the friendship for a little bit. Do you know Mm. what I mean? Like take a week or maybe more. And then when you feel a little bit more like you can articulate what you want to communicate to them, I think part of it is thinking about, do you want to salvage the friendship or are you done? If you're mm. done, you may still want to say something to them, but the tenor of it and the what you hope to get out of it may be different than if you just decided, you know what, this person's not to be trusted and I'm really just not going to be able to go there with them again. Um, but if you at all want to salvage the relationship, then I would really try to articulate like, okay, this is what 
I saw happen. This is how it felt. This is how, you know, it, it eroded the trust in our relationship. Like, you know, sort of laying that out and, and maybe saying, you know, if you feel like you want us to still be friends, this is what I need to hear or see from you. Like, I really need an apology. I really need you to work to rebuild my trust because right now I don't feel like I can be open and vulnerable with you. Mm. Um, if you're someone who's betrayed someone's trust, if it was at all intentional or conscious, I think you really need to think about what was prompting you to share somebody's information. Was it mm. the desire to be the person who had the knowledge who wanted to share gossip and sort of that kind of good feeling you get when you're like, ooh, did you hear? Did you know? Right? Was it feeling jealous or angry with your friend and wanting to put them down by sharing something that was a secret of theirs? Or did you want to get back at them because they hurt you in some way and you were sort of being passive aggressive by doing mm. this? Um, you know, or was it accidental and you need to be more thoughtful about like, okay, this is private information and not mine to share. Whatever you've figured out, like if you take a good hard look, then you really need to very sincerely apologize, right? You need to mm. communicate and, and you also need to be respectful that your friend or whoever it is may need time and space from you. So don't badger them. Don't, you have to forgive me. You have to forget like, you need to communicate an apology, whether by phone, I mean, phone is ideal or in person or by email if they won't take your calls. And then you need to say, you know, I really hope to rebuild this friendship. I am here. Please reach out to me when you're ready or maybe I'll check in with you in a week or in a month. But I, you know, I want to respect your need for space. Right. So when we try to get people to forgive us too quickly, it's because we want to be out of the hot mm. seat. It's, we're mm. not giving other people the space to feel everything they're feeling and work through it themselves. We, want, we just want to get out of it. Just forgive me so I feel better, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so you have to be patient with that, right? Somebody may not forgive you right away and you have to sit with that feeling of, of guilt and you know discomfort knowing that you've hurt a friend and you need to work through that instead of asking them to forgive you so you get rid of it right away. Mm. Mm. You said Your it's not about nodded. you. It ain't about you. <laughs> yeah. It's not about you. But you're so right. You're in that. You're like, I, this feeling is uncomfortable. I violated someone. So please relieve me of this by telling me it's okay. Yep. But you got to give mm -hmm. that person the space. Exactly. Yeah. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. And see, now I'm thinking about some like social dynamics, you know, where <laughs> it's like offenses mm -hmm. against people groups and like that expectation mm -hmm. of immediate reconciliation mm -hmm. where there's like, no, there is trauma here. We need some time. Yeah. Um, well, but that's, that's a whole other episode. Okay. So, <laughs> so this might not be as much about secrets, but rock with me. Cause I feel like it kind of is. So I've been really intrigued by these repressed memories, right? Where people realize things happen mm -hmm. years in the future. And then, you know, sometimes they may not have all of the details or they realize that there was some sort of coercion involved. And that's why they didn't know that that thing had happened. But how how do you counsel people through repressed memories where there's the element of shock? You know, perhaps there are other people who were involved in a cover up. Like, how how do you how do you help people through that? Because it seems pretty complex. Hmm. Yeah, so I think it's sort of an, an it is definitely an intriguing sort of phenomenon. What I would say is it's not actually something that I've worked with people on. I certainly worked around like labeling experiences as traumatic or abusive 
Um, because it's not that the person didn't remember, it's that they had turned it into something different mm. or they had sort of denied the harm that was caused to them by the experience. Um, I certainly, I do believe that repressed memories and repressed traumas are, are a thing. I think, you know, one of the things that sticks out to me from like grad school training is this challenge where there is a small phenomenon of therapists suggesting that somebody has been um, abused or experiencing trauma and then the client taking that suggestion on, mm. if that makes oh, sense. Wow. And so I mm -hmm. think my stance as a therapist is being very careful and cautious. So I don't dig for that type of thing. I think it, if somebody is coming in and they're displaying a lot of symptoms that feel trauma related, then I might go sort of exploring like, okay, was there anything that happened in your childhood that was harmful or scary or, you know, whatever. But I'm not actively searching for repressed memories because I just want to be very cautious that I'm not sort of implanting a memory a la Inception. I mean, it's not that cool, but, you know, suggesting something to someone that they then take on, which actually could not be true. Um, and that's not to say that all repressed memories and trauma are caused by a therapist suggesting it, not at all, but it is just something um, to be cautious of. I think the other thing mm. is my therapy tends to focus a lot on sort of like here and now, like where you're at in your life now and what's happening for you. And we'll, I'll do a little bit of exploring about past experiences, but it's not my focus. I really am curious about like, okay, so how does that help us understand what's happening in your life today? And what do you want your life today to look like? And how do we help you mm. get there? Um, so I'm sorry I don't have like a better, more in-depth answer to that question because I know it's like very interesting. But that's no, my... this is super helpful. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> it's so interesting. I actually had no idea about the um, the you know potential to kind of implant memories and that being a sounds like a much smaller but a phenomena as well. So huh. the more you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> And I just have one more quick question, or I guess a, com a request for comment from you. I'm sure somebody listening to this needs to know this, but there is life after revealing something tough, right? I mean, you've had many clients, so I'm sure you've seen someone go through the entire process of revelation, revealing something that was really difficult. So can you just help us feel better about getting something off your mind and what that looks like after you've gone through the steps you need to go through? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, people underestimate how powerful it is to share with someone your secret and have them not freak out and say, oh my gosh, I totally, you know what I mean? Because that doesn't happen, right? It's like, and that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why people come to therapy. And in the first session, we're not really doing a lot of interventions, but people will leave or come back the next session and say, I felt so much better after the first session. And it's because they shared what happened to them or what's going on with them to someone mm -hmm. else. And that person responded with warmth and compassion, right? Yeah. That, you know, never in a therapy room am I like, oh my God, you're untreatable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, well, <laughs> too bad that happened to you. Like there's nothing we can do, right? Usually it's a, yeah, that was hard. And you're not alone in that. And that provides so much relief because it helps people move out of the space of shame 
and out of the space of thinking, if people know this about me, they will cast me out, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. at the core, I think, this fear that if they knew this secret, nobody would love me. And so I cannot tell anybody this secret because I will be sort of annihilated, right? But then you tell someone and they respond with love and you realize, oh my goodness, I may not shout this from the rooftops, but like, I'm not being annihilated, right? Like I can still be loved. I can still be accepted even with this thing that I thought was the the most horrible thing. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it's really healing and it's really powerful and it's freeing and it really allows you to move forward in your life without carrying the weight of what has happened or what you've experienced with you all Mm. the time. Yes, I love that. Yes, I really do. Thank you, Dr. Adia Gooden. You are fabulous. Like I said, nodding, nodding, nodding. I'm sure a lot of people were too. Um, You guys, if you want to check her out, you will have more questions for her. Check her out on social media. You'll find her on Instagram at Dr. Adia Gooden. That's D-R Adia Gooden. And we just love you. We're going to probably have you back again and again because we got some other stuff to do. Work in progress over here. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I'd be happy to come back. Awesome. All right, ladies, time for our 30 for 30. We'll share five. (laughs) (laughs) We'll share five of 30 tips on addressing secrets in ways that are healthy and liberating. And these five come from Dr. Adia Gooden. Isn't she amazing? She's so amazing. Yeah. Yeah, she's my lifeline. Okay, number one, (laughs) feel your feelings. Revelations can be tough, Mm. but Dr. Gooden suggests we don't run away from what we feel as a result of them. No. No. Instead, give yourself permission and space to feel it and feel it all because it's yours. She Mm. says it's part of the journey. Take off those running shoes. Sit in it. Feel it. <laughs> get to a good little squat. Getting a squat. Oh, now that I really would feel that. I ain't done a squat in about oh, you 10 said years. you feel it. Yeah, I just said no, no, right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Number two, ladies, go to therapy. Of course, Dr. Adia Gooden helped us out a lot just with this episode, just in our short conversation with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but allow an expert near you to help you unpack your secrets. Therapyforblackgirls.com has a great therapist directory so you can find someone near you using that site yes all right number three share age-appropriate information Mm -hmm. dr gooden says it's important to make sure information is suitable for the audience so if kids are involved that means making sure you choose words that they understand and are on their levels absolutely And let's say you want to talk about something, but you don't have the words. Well, then you need to journal, ladies. Mm -hmm. If you're not ready to speak, Dr. Gooden says revelation through writing can be healing. It doesn't have to be public. Like, what an over did. Anyway, (laughs) you can just write it for yourself. Like Moesha. Moesha. Oh, that was Aisha. Yeah, girl. (laughs) And then honestly, I thought you were going to Taina. I didn't know if we were doing Moesha, Taina. I didn't know what we were doing. Because remember, Taina. I always had dreams of me being a star. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. I got my Isha's mixed up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Can't mix the Isha's. Can't mix the Isha's. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> Speaking of sorry, go ahead, Candace Jay. <laughs> don't trust them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Number five, don't depend on apologies. You may expose a secret and then expect an apology. But Dr. Gooden says, don't. The intent behind your revelation should be the release of that truth, not to receive any form of acknowledgement from somebody else. Mm. It would be great to have, but it doesn't always come, sadly. So focus on what you can control instead. Wow. Well, she has a lot more insight for you, for me, for all of us. So head to our social media pages for 25 more tips. Let us know, ladies. If any of this helped you, how it helped you, we'd love to hear from you. Um, so please message us. Um, we we, we want to know everything. And of course, thank you as always for joining us. We love doing this. We love having these conversations with you. Absolutely. And don't forget to check out our guest, Dr. Adia Gooden. You can check out her website. That's dradiagooden.com. And you can follow her on Facebook and Instagram. All right, ladies. We'll talk to you next time we spill the tea. Bye. (laughs) Bye.